Hey, welcome back to Stand Down, the podcast where we talk to ex-stand-up comedians about the love-hate relationship that is comedy. I'm Daniel Reskin. Thanks for joining us. We got a great show today. And, oh, I got a new therapy office. Uh, make people feel nice and comfortable talking to me. And then, of course, I got uh, some calm nature scenes and stuff. We're going to try that out. Maybe the comics will release a little more once they feel calm with my soothing backgrounds or they'll be very distracted and I'll just turn it back to the green screen. So anyway, thanks for joining us. Uh, great guest today, Jessica Gross. She was a compatriot, a colleague, an ally of mine way back 11 years ago in the Miami comedy scene. Since then, she has moved on all sorts of other creative pursuits, but stand-up comedy no more. We will find out all about that and more. Thanks for joining us. Take care, be well, and where's my smushy? There's my smushy. She's my smushy. She's my smushy. She's my smushy. Oh, thanks for coming. Welcome to the podcast. Are Thank we going to put this under Jessica Gross or Anderson for your episode title? Anderson. Okay. I think Anderson's good. Cool. You can maybe in parentheses you might put grow. I don't know. I think Jessica Anderson's fine. Most people know my name changed. If they don't, then fuck them. You know, it's <laughs> appreciate that, but it, it's kind of a a testing question because if you were to say like, oh, keep it Jessica Gross, like that's a life that's behind me now, and I don't want to associate that. I'm getting the oh, feeling no. you don't mind that so much. No, no. You wear it mind. on your sleeve or whatever. It's fine. Yeah. 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 I'm fine with it. This isn't going to be one of those hard luck episodes. This is going to be one of the slightly more well-adjusted episodes. Yes, I would hope so. And, you know, no judges either way. We go where no, we need no, to go. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> of course not. But it's, it's a process. It's not an easy thing at all. And it's interesting, too, just a lot of listening to your previous episodes of your podcast, because I did my homework because I'm a nerd. Um, and I want to give the due respect to oh, this beautiful you. project that you're doing. Didn't need to, but I appreciate it. It's okay. But it's also good to kind of get a familiarity. But yeah, you kind of, when you listen to other people's stories, you're like, it's relatable. And you're like, yeah, that's a good, that's a reason. That's okay. That makes that's. I had a similar thing. You know, you kind of, you go through it and relate to it. Not everybody continues forever. <laughs> yes. Um, the more podcasts I see, it's like kind of, all right, we've heard the success stories. We've heard right. tons of them, you know, and they're great right. and they're unique, but there's a lot more non-success stories and oftentimes they're a lot more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, and maybe their success isn't the standard traditional success of what we've been made to think for stand-up. Do you know what I mean? Like the successes can be evolving or different. Whereas when we started, maybe the success was having that half hour or an hour or yeah, well, on the road or this yeah, or that. Those goals seemed maybe almost now. simpler back then. Like how would you, yeah. how would you describe like making it then to now? Well, back then when I was first starting, um, I would say the, the mindset or what you're kind of told is, you perform on stage as much as possible. Hopefully someone can mentor you and take you on the road with you if you're lucky enough for that, which in reality back then it was very rare for a female comedian to go on the road with anybody. And there's just logistical things to that. Mm -hmm. um, 
I'm not an expert on it, but I just remember feeling, I don't think that's an avenue for female comedians back then. Mm. Maybe more so now, obviously. Did you ever get to go on the road at all? No, no, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, I was still very, very young and very green in that regard, in that thinking of going on the road. I wasn't, you know, seasoned enough to even be invited on the road. Um, maybe now, but I haven't been doing comedy no, for There's three no years. road, so don't worry. <laughs> there's no road, it's fine. No one's, well, they are on the road. They're just doing drive-through or drive-in movie theaters. It's starting to, like yeah, that. that stuff's starting to pop up a little more. Yeah, yeah. But I think the, the road was either get on the road and then you get like a, someone would see you. You'd probably move to LA or New York and someone would see you. Um, you get that half hour special, you go to um, Just for Laughs in, in Montreal. You, there, was, there was many things that could be your possible avenue, but it was basically the same trajectory. And then eventually maybe you get a sitcom or you get on TV. It always seemed like this like fame sort of thing. Little cookie cutter, right? Exactly, and you just kind of were building to that. And I think now it's more, and, I, and this is probably true back then, but when you're starting out, that's kind of the thinking. You know, there's different avenues. You can write for TV, and you could back then. Just like I'm saying, it's, it's more clear to me now what the avenues are or were versus, and now it's social media. That wasn't a thing at first when being I was a, starting. Being a meme lord or a comedian. Exactly. Twitter. Yeah. That. Yeah, all of that. I remember trying to play Twitter back 10 years ago, being like, oh, my hot riffs will go viral for sure. Let's play at midnight. One like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I got five likes. Yes, it's definitely changed a lot. It does seem a lot more clear cut as far as paths, but also crazy as far as like a lot of the traditional rules are breaking down as we speak. Right, right. I don't think, especially being in a pandemic for five months, there are, I've I've watched a few of the live performances on Instagram and it's enjoyable. I mean, I know comedians, you'll hear them argue back and forth. Is it really comedy? I mean, I mean, yeah, it is. It's just, you don't have an audience and it can be hard, but for me as an, I would be the audience. It's, it's nice. It's enjoyable. I'm laughing. You may not be able to hear me, but mm. I'm laughing. You're into it. You don't, right. Because a lot I of comedians find them cringy or they've also right. kind of had some time to, uh, to work out some of the kinks as far right. as like right. taking what you do on stage and translating it. Um, so right. you've been consuming some of those shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, how yeah. far is performing in the, year, in the rear view mirror for you? Um, it's funny. I, after my daughter is two and a half, Um, and after giving birth to her, so I would say in the past two and a half years after, after Sloan, (laughs) it's, um, I probably did a few open mics here in LA, like three or four. And that was probably nine months ago. Um, but it was just nothing prepared, kind of went with a friend for moral support, um, Oni, our mutual friend and went up and did, and did great. I mean, not, I mean, my thing when I stopped doing comedy was I wasn't necessarily writing, which is a problem. Um, and I was writing more in conversation. Like if you and I were just riffing or talking, that's how I would write. That was my style. I couldn't just sit down and write. That was just difficult for me, which is interesting because it's hindsight's 2020. That's just a muscle you have to work. That's just practice. 
and I just never did. I a hate working com- out. A lot of comedians. I mean, yeah. it's it's you know, it's a big thing to admit, you know, in post, yeah. but you go to open yeah. mics and it's it feels just like homework the way some comedians are like scribbling their jokes down before the bell like you had all yeah. night and all day to work on it. you had a week to yeah. work on it and yeah. now you're putting maybe a little spin on the same thing we heard last week and right it's one of those grooves right exactly and for me i know lately i i have a multitude of funny things happening and things i'll make notes and i'll write down um but it was weird too going up it wasn't awful doing the open mic. It was alien to me because I'm also in a different location than when I quit. I, you know, I mean, we can go into the trajectory of my career, but I started while I was recently divorced from my first marriage, was living in Boca and then commuting down to Miami and was also at the Funky Buddha was the first place I did an actual open mic. That's a tumultuous start. I know. (laughs) But I didn't do too bad. Um, I had friends there. It, it was- You stacked the deck, like, no problem. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. But, you know, and then I, I made the move to Miami and I, that's where I did most of my open mics and performing and then at the improv, either at Miami, which was my, I loved more mm-hmm. performing there than at Fort Lauderdale, just cause Miami just let their hair down and had fun. And I always felt like we were all having a great time. It got stuffier the further north you went in Florida. So right, money went but, up and the diversity went down. And right, uh, right, it was got like these, these white people are so uptight. <laughs> um, yeah, did you but, did you find anything about Miami comedy translating when you moved out of Miami? Yeah, I mean it was so funny because Miami really liked Miami loved all types of comedy. Obviously, if you went to the improv and you went to the club, there's the club comic versus the alt comic. And there's that whole back and forth, which I believe is still a thing. Um, But what was beautiful was finding that like beauty in between. And that was something I loved watching older, more experienced comedians. Like when I watched Ian Bagg perform at the improv, he looked like he was doing complete um, uh, like back and forth with the audience. I can't even (laughs) like... Thank you. Crowd work. That's how long I've been out. <laughs> What's it called when you talk to an audience? Um, when you work over the crowd? Yes. Happen? But he, he did crowd work and made it look, and I watched him two nights in a row because I was so blown away by someone who looked like they were doing crowd work for two hours and was killing. And I was like, mm. how does someone get to this level? And then I went back the second night and realized it wasn't crowd work. It was just this seamless, beautiful ability that he had that much material that no matter what anybody threw at him, he was able to make it look like, I'm just talking with you guys. Mm. And that was so beautiful. And I was like, that's how I want to do this. And the problem is that takes years and years (laughs) and years of work. And it's not that I wasn't willing to do that, but you know, things change, life change, you grow, you want different things, the life, everything. As you get older, there's just certain things that, as you know, from previous people on the podcast, things, life happens. Um, But, and so what, what was like the process of going from, I'm all into comedy mm -hmm. to starting to doubt or to question, was it a slow (laughs) pull away or was it more of a rapid break? You know what's so funny? It's 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 a 
is a series of unfortunate events. Mm, was, lemony, okay. I, I'm, I went from Miami and moved to New York and I said, I'm committing to this and I'm gonna make this happen. And I was the ripe age of 30 at the time. No one should move to New York in their 30s. I mean, <laughs> God bless them, let, let them do it if they want. But I um, shouldn't have. I mean, I went there and I wasn't doing awful. I made a number of friends. I was getting lots of stage time, not necessarily paid gigs yet because you you're basically starting from scratch when you go to a new big city um, no one knows who you are really and you're just kind of trying to make those networking connections and I was there for a year and financially became devastated because New York is very expensive um, and realized the that lifestyle of not being home and going out every night at, and performing at I was performing four times a night every night, three times a night, every That's, that's you know the New I mean? York dream. It's, it was fantastic. And my comedy was getting really good and you really start to hone in what you're, and physically I was just like losing my mind. Mentally, mm. it, was a, it was that moment I realized, not necessarily that New York wasn't for me, but it wasn't. I realized this path is easily how people are broken. And I, I mean, just, I could see my future and I don't think I could have survived it. I don't think that go, 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 drink, go. And I wasn't drinking heavily, but enough. I was like, I don't think this is healthy. Drinking every mic adds up when you're going to four a night. I mean, it was, and you can't really afford it. And a lot of times I wasn't doing that much. I knew I couldn't drink more than a drink or two or else my comedy would suffer. I wouldn't be able to perform properly. But there came a point, too, where I just kind of said, I think I kind of got thrown into the mix a little fast, bit off more than I can chew, and took my tail between my legs and went back to Miami. Um, Was there like a distinct point? Sorry to cut you up, or you were just like, No, no, I'm it's out. okay. Um, I kind of snuck away. I didn't say goodbye to anybody. I was kind of more crushed and embarrassed mm. because I, this was like, I think that's know, the respectful thing to do in comedy rather than like make a big parade about it. You're losing me comedy. It's so you lost the genius. It's just like, well, I'll show myself out. Excuse me. Thank you. I'll be in the audience in a year. Okay. Yeah. The thing is, is though, that wasn't when I left comedy though. That was just when I left New York and my thing was like, okay, I'm not leaving comedy i still love comedy i still want to do it i don't know if i can grind like that right i'll try but changing the relationship right and for me miami was where i really became a comedian and it was that moment where i was like i need to go back and get my foundation my grounding the it's where i felt the most love and the most comfort on stage Mm. so i was like let me go back and just take a minute like and it's funny. I, I, I definitely felt immediately embraced back by Miami um, and was getting on stage, but it was all very different. A lot of people had left and all, you know, it, it completely evolved and changed. A lot of people were in the process of leaving. It always, it's like a bus or people get off, people get on, but the bus keeps right. rolling. Totally. Right. And I was looking, you know, I moved back from New York with nothing and I'm like, okay, let me start over and got involved with an amazing, what I thought was an amazing opportunity to help because I, even though I'm one of those rare comedians, maybe I might be over speaking on that one, but I I think I'm one of those comedians. I am, I love comedy. Even if I quit, I still so much enjoy watching it. And I'm, I'm that obnoxious too. If I drink too much and I'm in the audience, I'm that, I'm that friendly heckler who's Uh. like, yeah. 
I believe in you. Let's do this. Uh, so obnoxious. I can but... see that's how like maybe you started before you even did comedy. Maybe yeah. had a few of those. Yeah, I, I didn't do it after I had done comedy. But before I was like, yeah, you're great. I think you're funny. And they're like, shut up. What's wrong with you? <laughs> um, but I, I got this amazing opportunity because, you know, you, as a comedian, you can kind of see what is wanted by certain festivals or certain things like that. And I got this great opportunity to book comedians for a festival in Miami. And you're familiar with nature. that. Mm, yes. Thank yes. you. Oh, I love it. I would say I was a part of the fam. Yeah, Friends of Nature family. it was. Oh man, it it was interesting because it was like. Was kind it of, the fire festival of comedy festival? Really, like, like that implies was, that you're a bit more Ja Rule than like I don't. Th I think a lot of things happened that you weren't responsible for, uh, no, whereas they were. No. But a debacle of some kind. It was so bad. <laughs> I had I had. They were such lovely people. Great lineup. And they're, they're still working in festivals, just kind of behind the scenes. They're awful. Those two lovely people who I won't mention their names. Not that I can't, I just, whatever. Yeah. I kind of want to just put it behind me forever. Yeah. Well, good to know but, they're still out there uh, blundering and poaching. Yeah, yeah. It was, they bit off more than they can chew. They kind of, you know, alluded to having more money than they really had. And they wanted this big, amazing comedy lineup. And I'm like, okay, well, I flew myself out to LA and met with the agents of these comedians and got their trust and said, we'll make sure this happens. We'll give the 50%. A lot of them got 50% of their contracts. So we at least got the front end good. Um, I, in good faith, wasn't like an idiot because I was new to this type of work, getting <laughs> paid anything and thought these people were lovely and was like, yeah, yeah, I have a contract. They can't screw me over. And in the end, they completely screwed everybody over. Oh. They went bankrupt. They didn't pay anybody. They didn't pay me, so I worked for an entire year without getting paid. Jeez. And I was, I think, at this point, I'm at a better place about it. I was, I was devastated. I was embarrassed. I didn't want to show my face in the comedy community. These are, if I did want to keep pursuing comedy, I felt as though I would never get representation because I was that idiot that lost all these people really? money. Oh. I. I yeah, thought you about took it. it so personally like that. I yeah. really took it personally. And I've reached out to every single comedian. There was only one that still to this day probably has my face on a target and wants to shoot me. I don't know why. why it's it my fault. <laughs> I don't mean. Uh, um, oh, really? And, oh. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Yes. But um, I'm sure he'll forgive you. He seems nice. I it wasn't it wasn't intentional it yeah. wasn't I I in good faith was just trying to create a fun thing and bring it to Miami and bring like comedians that never come to Miami because that's the big Miami problem we're geographically it's, isolated it's exactly you see it with musicians and you see it with with comedy people don't want to make that like unless they have like family that they're also visiting tangentially right. or they're going to Cuba or on a cruise exactly. there's no right. reason for them to go all the way down this horribly uninteresting peninsula just to get to the bottom and then go all the way back right right it just financially doesn't make any sense for them so i was trying to be like hey if we're gonna make something you know because miami is always in the oh it's going to be something this is a scene yeah this is and you're like it it, it is and it can be but there's just so much that goes wrong in miami. <laughs> <laughs> i do i do remember flashing to like us oh. doing comedy in a flapping tent during like mm -hmm. a very low grade hurricane of some kind. Yeah, yeah. 
the best weather in <laughs> Miami sometimes. <laughs> but that one, that, and that, that was one, like all the music events were having a lot more trouble because of their setup, but comedy kind of saved the day because we were just like hunkering down in a tent. And there's actually, I mean, as crazy and, and horrible in a way it was, it was so fun to be like hunkering down in this obscene, like, are we in a fucking hurricane doing comedy right? Is this whipping? Yeah. Are we okay? It's, it's hilarious, but. Oh, yeah. To me, I mean, everyone I spoke to was like, that was the most absurd, ridiculous thing. I mean, everyone at least got put up in a nice hotel. They had transportation. There was, you know, they yeah. were they mostly. Paid. <laughs> right. And honestly, they all did maybe 15 minutes of work and did, you know, like I didn't enforce anybody to do their time. Right. At that point, it was by the time people were performing, we knew shit was hitting the fan. So I was like, yo. Just make people laugh and kind of go with it. Like, just, they still got a shit ton of money for performing for, like, 15 minutes. Right. So. And got some kind of Florida vacation, in a way. Exactly. Exactly. And they got to experience a slight (laughs) hurricane-ish. Yeah, a little depression. Uh, I mean, I can look at it in a better way now. But that was the beginning Yeah, what are some of the lessons you take? That was the beginning of the end. That's an interesting, like. Yeah. Right. Uh, Well, like, do do you take some hard lessons from that experience um well know all the loopholes in the check writing system in the city that you're working in because that's how they got out of paying me whoa they made a mistake on their check and then changed it but because they didn't initial it and i was going after them for the check they were like we can't tell if you didn't change it so it will never go to court oh wow yeah so I got screwed. What a primitive, that's like some catch me if you can, like bullshit. Yeah. Scammy. Yeah. But I think just, uh, if it feels too good to be true, it is. It 100% is. <laughs> right. That's just a healthy dose of skepticism with organizing this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was no reason I was programming this. Like, hello, the ego on me <laughs> fucking thinking I could program a festival. I was like, oh. Yeah, But I, I think I did, I still, I literally just booked people that I had gotten to perform with in New York and some in LA that I'd seen and that had come to New York and visited. And for me, it was more of like, I was booking it as a fan. I'm like, I'm a fan of all these people I'm booking. And I felt like it was like, that's a good way to book. It's kind of a nice way. Cause there were like a lot of kind of people that maybe you didn't know, but you kind of sort of heard of, and it kind of had that cool... So for me, it was just... This but you're is helping out I everyone. Know. Right. I was like, I want to... It was... Honestly, I was booking people, which is funny to look back on now. I was booking people who were like on that cusp. And I was like, you're amazing and people need to see you. And then to look back now and go, oh yeah, see, they were amazing. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. I remember Funches. Yeah. It was so... A couple people. They, I mean, they were already doing fantastic without me. It was just nice to kind of like, you know, get them out there more. Yeah, and I, I can't imagine that uh, some comedian didn't put it into a bit of some kind. I don't know if you've heard anything, but one day there's got to be like, I was yeah. in this festival in Florida, and oh yeah. my God. I always think about it every day, like, man, I would every, probably make a good movie. Every day. <laughs> doesn't haunt you that much, does it? No, no, not anymore, not anymore. So you moved back from New York. That was kind of a blow. You came yeah. with this energy for the Friends of Nature Festival, and then mm-hmm. that kind of fell apart. That was a major blow. Yeah. From there, you're still pursuing comedy, but are you? Mm-hmm. is it almost kind of like a side thing compared to 
building a stable life or are you still kind of trying to like chase that comedy dragon? It was, so in that moment of getting burned with the money from the festival and I, I was, it was just devastating. Like, and I had been working freelance just like most comedians kind of do to give themselves a really flexible schedule to perform and you know, you're kind of doing your own thing. I took a job just as like an executive assistant. It was like a regular ass job. And I had that job for like three years and my life started evolving. My, my now husband, uh, we got engaged. Um, we started talking about having kids and yeah, that, that like normal lifestyle started to sink in, in a way you that think I you can be I, a human, a normal human. Yes. Where'd no, you get that idea? <laughs> Supposed to be I read a miserable stand-up comic is bang your head against the wall continually and grind. Well, and a lot of people that know me and know my comedy is when I was on stage, I always talked about becoming a mom. Like that was everything and anything I ever wanted. So as as my mid-30s began to approach, I was like, oh, kind of got to get on this. Mm. So comedy, I kept doing it because as a comedian, you have that guilt you're like, I have to keep going up. I can't stop. Is it and like I'm a like, sunken hey. fallacy cost? Like you've invested so much, you can't? Right. You're like, I've committed. I don't want to be a quitter. I don't want to be a failure. I don't want to be these things. And there's all of these thoughts going in your mind. And I remember you very vividly, Mr. Reskin, telling me how disappointed you would be if I were really quitting. Oh, man. <laughs> Damn, that's back when, yeah. That's it's funny. okay. I still remember it was at Sweat Records and you were like, you were, you were almost angry at me because I think we had kind of started, you started, I think a little bit before me, but we kind of started around the same time and I wasn't offended by it, but what it helped me realize is that we're all afraid of it. And your, your frustration or anger with me was also showing your fear of it happening to you. Yeah. And that's a reality that we can all look hindsight and go, oh, that's why he was doing that. Sure. Jeez. I don't... And I, at first I was like, I mean, I, I think that's the hard part is the other comedians around you being like, you can't quit. And you're like, no, it's totally fine to quit. It's okay. Right. Who am I going to suffer <laughs> with if you leave? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Misery loves company. Yeah. Jeez. I'm sorry. Oh, I had such a... Uh an angry tone to it and not more of a like understanding sympathetic tone, but that just goes to show like that, that mindset of being like, we're in it to win it. You got to grind, you got to suffer, yeah. you got to go out at like playing that character or, or whether it's from picking it up from other comics or podcasts or just like, yeah. 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 Well, sorry about that. No, 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 no. I mean, but that's interesting. Honest, that's, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's not, thank you for the apology. It's not necessary though. I was harder on myself than you could have ever been. And I think that's the reality of it is coming to terms with, it's okay. It's not, we all like, you either go down that path of what you think needs to be finished, or you can realize that this was an awesome experience. How I got to go up on stage and make people laugh and meet amazing. I got to meet you. I got to meet you from oh. comedy. Yeah, you're an amazing person, and I got to make so many friends that I'll have for a lifetime. And it taught me how to be confident. It taught me how to be. I can I can nail any job interview. Let me tell you, mm. I try not to show too much comedy, but the confidence I come in there, that swagger where I just throw my dick on the desk, and they're like, "Whoa!" <laughs> I'm not like any situation. I performed to two people and killed. Come on, I'm just, just throwing kidding. that whap out there. Just whap. Um, Take that. Exactly. Whap. 
<laughs> yeah, but, so that's one of the right. So a skill set from comedy that you couldn't set. have and you couldn't have developed anywhere else quite quite as much. No, no. And I look. I have to look at it now because it's not that comedy is not completely gone for my life. It's just evolved into different things, hmm. and it doesn't necessarily mean going up on stage and doing open mics, but doesn't also not mean it. And it's okay for whatever it is. I feel like I remember when I was first starting and seeing people who were just comfortable staying in their home and in their hometown and performing forever and doing that and totally being chill about it. And I'm like, that's awful. And I'm like, now I'm like, yeah, it's who cares? Get it. We're having a good time and they're making people laugh. Like, why are we so uptight about all of this stuff like what it's yeah. comedy like just have a good time totally right not not everybody's gonna make it and that's okay I, I think that's like the first huge truth you kind of have to learn in your first like yeah. five years of comedy or whatever yeah. hopefully a lot sooner than that but yeah. like <laughs> yeah I remember meeting you know yeah the first time I met a working road comic who was just like I'm just trying to make a living man I'm not trying to yeah Go there. and I was like, "What? You don't want to be George Carlin? What's wrong with you?" And it's just how like, could... how naive. It's a that's like the young twenty-something mindset, and uh, yeah, yeah, very much pr changing priorities. I mean, has got to be the number one reason why funny people stop doing stand-up comedy in that traditional route, as it exactly. were. Yeah. The cool thing is that like now there's different routes that we can create, and like. How is going to an open mic now compared to like grinding through open mics back when you were like doing comedy, quote unquote? Well, the anxiety is still a hundred percent there. Like, is there more of it? Like, you feel rusty? No, no, no. I think it's more of like, um, I know usually I'm not just like on a whim because I have a, I have a child. I can't, I have to like obnoxiously plan. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to an open mic. Okay, everyone's on board. I'm not going by myself. I refuse to go by myself. So, go with somebody. And um, so I've had time to like randomly think of like one word things that might trigger a memory. And then, you know, you put your name in a bucket just like you used to and go up. And it's not, it's, it's not any different. It feels just like, it's like, a, it's a nice fitting glove. You're like, oh yeah, that feels nice. Mm. And it's nice because too, it's like at this point in our lives, as we get older and in comedy, because we've done it for so long. I mean, sure, we're not, I'm not, you know, living in a mansion, <laughs> but I, I understand that it's just trying to connect to people. You're like, I'm just trying to tell you about my awkwardness and loveliness or something that's important or whatever it is, whatever I'm trying to grasp. That's the thing. My humor was always just, here's clumsy me. <laughs> so I also kind of, a lot of the initial things, just like I know Jay said in, in the pocket, you kind of, you, you evolve and kind of grow out of it. And I think for me, I'll grow your material. Up, oh, exactly. And my, my, my worldviews and my thoughts became so much more important and I wasn't really prepared to handle the like fight that starts to happen. Like, I think comedy, as I was getting out of it, like that whole roasting thing was really taking off and everyone mm. being mean to each other. And I'm like, oh, I don't have a skin for that. <laughs> <laughs> I always love like Josh Gondelman is my favorite example of the nicest com comedian in comedy. 
and he started doing like the opposite it was like a nice like roast it was like you can only say nice things and I'm like that's my jam that's what I want I got into this to make people feel good I don't want to break anybody down yeah it's amazing um, how many people will meet you and upon hearing you're a comedian be like oh don't make fun of me or you heard that oh you heard like that's their idea like it's comedy yeah. it's like hey you're a piece of shit you stupid it's like haha <laughs> got him it's like no no I'll focus on it myself and that's about it have you not heard um, of self-deprecation is that's exactly. a uh, major school yeah. here yeah that that was like that started becoming really popular when I was kind of like slowly backing away I'm like Oh, no, I don't want to play in that. No. <laughs> Take it as kind of a sign, like, oh, these waters are getting choppy. Yeah, and I went through a really big, after all of those things, like the nail in the coffin, I went through, I mean, not to be TMI, but it's always something women should always be comfortable or more comfortable talking about it. But I went through two huge miscarriages that were very traumatizing for me when I spent all of this time wishing and wanting to have a kid and then going through these, devastating grieving losses I was like I I actually lost my sense of humor going wow. through that I couldn't figure out how to be funny I lost myself I was like I can't I just can't go up on stage I feel like a fraud going up there and you go through that change mm. and it was hard oh God, it was the worst it to was rebuild so hard. yourself in a way you you do and the only thing that helped me feel better was I got pregnant with my daughter even though when I was pregnant with her I had nothing but doubt nothing but fear, fear anxiety and then I got put on bed rest for five months <laughs> and I was like oh my god I don't want to lose this child and then I gave birth to her and that was like so amazing so my focus is her that's all I've ever wanted and I mean I could still I still understand and my humor has come back, thankfully. That fog of being a new parent and they, all that stress, you kind of start getting those creative juices going. And my creativity has evolved into different things um, with cooking and with baking, you know, and, and crafting and doing things with my daughter. And the comedy is still there and the comedy is still coming out. It's just, you just I'm kind of relearning how to be a person. Hmm. Wow. Like it was like, you go through many, uh, for me, my opinion we go through so many rebirths in our life and to me comedy was a beautiful part of a certain period in my life and it's not gone from it but I'm a different I'm a completely different person than I was wow so. and so that's that kind of brings us current yeah yeah that's and so this is me now wow so no regrets as far as like having gone through the comedy hype no no, I don't, I don't, I don't regret quit. I know it's hard to stop, but I don't regret, I don't regret doing comedy. I don't regret any of the past I made because then you can't, to me, I'm like, it's I know weird. that's easy for me to say, but you can't regret it because then I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. Sure. And I'm sure. not saying my one bedroom apartment in LA is fabulous, but I have, I have a roof over my head. I have a beautiful daughter and a wonderful husband and a lovely dog. I, I mean, I can't complain. Yeah. I mean, part of comedy I mean, is yes, you could complain. You could always complain no matter how good you have it. But right. This yeah. is almost like an opposite end of the spectrum of like being happy, accepting who you are and what you have and being grateful or just like always wanting, always striving, criticizing, 
yes. ego, like em- so much of comedy, they're like, emphasize your ego, overdo your ego. And then like, my dad's yeah. Buddhist. So like, I've learned that like the ego is maybe something you want to kind of keep in check all yeah. the time. Yeah. Like these messages don't quite jive. Well, that's, it's interesting. You mentioned that too, because when I did move back from New York and I did have that festival issue happen, I actually realized I was going through some awful feelings and anger and everything that I couldn't manage. And I'm like, I need to get to a better place. So I traveled all the way to Paris and then went down to the South of France and stayed on a Vietnamese uh, monastery with nuns and monks and tried to figure out for at least, a, I stayed there for a week in their deep, um, deep mindfulness meditation time that they do, I think in January, February, it's a place called Plum Village. And it was so needed Wow! <laughs> because it was, it was also reworking the wiring of how I just perceived everything. And there, that is when you're on comedy, doing comedy, it is all ego. It is all that expectation, or I have to have this, or this is the next step. I have to do this. And it's like, no, you don't. It's fine. And I think there's a beautiful balance that I think we miss when we're on that grind Mm. and it's just, oh, I have to be up every night, have to perform. And you're like, I should be fine. A beautiful balance between your life and comedy. You'll get more comedy and you'll live a better life. But you usually find that out too late. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you're, you're into so much fun stuff now that I see. I see like crazy craft projects just on your, on your feed, just from normal life. Is this, this is kind of the, the vehicle that like your creativity is or the direction it's taking right now, are they like? It's funny because I'm not sure where this is taking me and everyone's like, oh, you have to have a plan. You have to figure out how you're going to make money. And I'm like, I've even in interior design, when I went to school and had to take business classes, I don't know. I have a weird relationship with money. And I'm like, I don't, the creativity and the money part, I'm like, I don't want it to like ruin the flow that I have. If I start thinking the business side of it, and that's what I need to kind of, figure out. But for me, we got stuck in quarantine. Both my husband and I are unemployed still because I was working in production for commercials. I was production coordinator and everything stopped. And I was like, okay. And both my husband's high risk for, um, for COVID if he gets it because he has heart issues. So for me, it was more of like, okay, let's just stay hunkered down. And then I'm like, I have a, I have a two-year-old. How am I (laughs) supposed to in this tiny apartment, keep things going? And for some reason, you know, money's tight and I like new things. And so I just said, I can just make it instead of paying for these things. But before I started doing the website, I realized after giving birth to my daughter, it was just more of a need to kind of find myself again. And baking actually helped me with that. I mean, it also helped me get a little curvier, but (laughs) just that slow moments of just baking and needing the chemistry of it and just creating something wonderful and tasty Mm. kind of helped in a therapeutic way, bring back my creativity. It was all through baking. There's there's a certain tangibility to baking that we don't quite get in stand-up. Those laughs feel good, but it's hard to hold on to them and take a picture of them. Right. Even recorded. It's not quite the same. Well, and then with baking too, what I've found, it's very similar to like setup and punch. You have your ingredients, and you bake it and then it's done. And for me, I always love to kind of do the crowd work and kind of mold it in a certain way. And so baking really let me open that side up of where you have just the basic recipe that you can find or whatever. And then you figure out ways to make it your own, you figure out ways to kind of 
mold it into something special. And that is your baking voice, so to speak. And that kind of brought back, it brought me back, <laughs> which was really nice. Yeah. And then when I went into quarantine, I had a few friends go, you know, you're making a lot of really cool things. Why don't you just put it on a website? And I was like, okay, but it can't be a mommy blog. <laughs> and it was so funny. Is that, a thing? Is that like a stereotype done to death at this point? Yeah. Mom yeah. blogs. Not that there's anything wrong with them. They're fantastic, but they're it's an also, ecosystem. it's, I don't know why I always, I just, I, I can't be a mommy blog. I, I can can't. see you doing a parody mommy blog or something like an ironic. I, I joked with Eric, my husband, Eric last night. And I said, what if I just kill it at this mommy blog thing? And then one day go, I was, I was just messing with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even my I'm, kid. <laughs> it's not even my kid. The I CGI. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This, I found this in the dump. <laughs> but yeah, this. I don't know. Yeah. It was in, it's interesting because then it was it was funny too because then in the end of it, of course, I look at my I look and I realize, oh, I'm a mommy blogger, and I look at my my husband and go, save yourself. I didn't <laughs> want this to be my end. It's too late so, for me. It's too late for me. Go. I'm a mommy blogger. Sneaky. Be careful. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Honestly, I know everything has a beginning and an end. And for right now, I'm in it and I'm enjoying it like a lot. Like I'm like, I could be unemployed for a little longer. <laughs> I can keep doing this. Hopefully, if not, I don't know. But I, I, it's bringing me joy. So I'm going to keep it. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's the, the method, right? You're letting joy on. drive your creativity rather than yes. yeah. some sort of need or success or money or whatever. It's funny, as I'm watching myself on this Zoom, I turned my air conditioning off and it was one of the hottest days this summer and I'm slowly deteriorating. Oh, it's starting to I'm get just shiny. Sweating so hard. <laughs> if we need to take a powder break, let me know. No, 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 no. I'm fine. I'll I'll own that sheen. Um <laughs> but I will say it's things that as my daughter grows up and thinks she needs to learn, figure out, and I'm like, okay, let me kind of stay on top of that. It's 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 helping her learn, it's helping me involved with her and it's just it's fun and that's why when people oh you should make it you should make it an etsy thing or you should make it fit. and i'm like if it if it evolves right now i'm just riding the joy of it and if it evolves in that naturally mm -hmm. i'll go that route if it's not natural and forced i i don't i don't want to take away you don't want to shit where you eat you know what I'm saying? Sure. I mean, it's it's a recipe for ingenuine, inferior product when you start right. with like, what do people want? How can I make money? Exactly. It's more like I'm making stuff that I really love and this is fun and my daughter really loves it. And let's just, let's just all have fun with it. Mm. If you like it enough to make it something better, let's talk. If not, it's fine. It's just, it's something that's just creative and enjoyable for me. And if it makes other people smile, it's the same thing as comedy. I can make you laugh or smile and go, that's wonderful. That's all I need. That's it. Yes, we, we need a word for it. But just like the constant pressure to monetize any hobby, anything you are mildly good at or interested yeah. in. To just you be like, money oh, you like that? Here's what you, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so you talked about your daughter. Do you see any of the stand-up gene that, you possess in her. And I also asked this to Jay, if she one day expressed an interest to stand up, uh, would you, how would you uh, react to that? I'd be totally fine with it. She can do, I mean, she can do whatever she wants. I'm, I'm going to be 
the opposite of the way my parents were to me. Although my, my dad, he, he's a, he was a musician um, and he always told me he gave it up so uh, he could support me. And I'm like, okay, I don't ever want to tell that to my daughter that I gave up my dream for them. It's like- That, I, that impacted you when you heard it from your dad? Yeah, because it's like, it's a guilt feeling. It's this thing like, you came along and then I couldn't, it's like, no, I think your priorities changed and maybe you should word this differently because it makes me feel really bad. <laughs> I could have been Paul McCartney <laughs> if your ass didn't come along. I know. It's like, I'm so sorry for ruining your life. <laughs> maybe if you made better choices. Sorry slash thank you for yeah. making me exist. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> I don't, so I don't want her to ever think that. And yes, she sure. could totally be comedy. If Even though, you know, it's a long tradition to be like, one day you can give up your dream for your daughter, just like my yeah. forefathers. <laughs> well, that's the thing. My dream, although my dream is always having a daughter. I always wanted to be that's a mom. So I got my dream. So any other thing that happens that's beautiful and wonderful is icing on the cake. Again, it's just icing on the cake. Delicious, delicious. So, so what would you tell her advice-wise? She's, you know, probably an older teenager at this point, wants to do comedy like her ma did. Well, how do we know what the comedy scene on Mars is? That's that's the right. <laughs> how woke are we to Martian microtransactions? How, how do I do I know what the comedy scene's like in the future? I have no clue. I'm just gonna tell her to have fun with it, and I'll support her 100. percent And I'll be at every show that I can, and I will laugh, and I will support, and I will help her sell T-shirts, whatever it is. <laughs> I will be that obnoxious mom that she'll be like, go away. And I'll be like, no. <laughs> right. Like, I'm having a show. Don't tell my mom. I'm coming anyways because I'm... Oh, so that your love of comedy seems to have, like, never diminished. No. No. It was, it was there from... I mean, I would sneak watching SNL when I was a kid. Around the corner. All the time. Yeah. It, it was, I was in my room and I was like trying to block the, the reflect, like the bright light from the TV and trying to watch it and like would turn it off real quick if my parents would come around. Like I've, I've watched, you know, and it's so funny because I, I think about the comedians, like I love Robin Williams. I love all these wonderful comedians, but they were always so, like I love hindsight. If there's any regret, it was getting rid of the fear of being embarrassed in a way. I realized. I was always so in love with physical comedy, like people who could like really act it out and be ridiculous and fun, like Jim Carrey was mm. in his characters and, and you know, all of those ways. Those, they were comedians I absolutely adored and I never was brave enough to like do it. I do it in real life. I'm an idiot at my house, but I never could put it on stage. And I'm like, man, that's my one regret. If I could go back and do it, I would be a complete idiot on stage. Mm. I would really go for it. I can definitely <laughs> I relate that. to that. Yeah. Yes. Sure, sure. And for what? It's, it's like you're being embarrassed, but that's the whole point. You're already up there. It's like, I know. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So that would be my advice to my daughter. Mm -hmm. Don't Go hold for that. It. Right. If you want something, just have fun. Don't worry about what other people think. Just, and that's what I'm finding out now with even with doing this little website, which I adore and love, and it's just crafts and baking you still have that voice in your head that's like, nobody cares about this. Nobody wants to see this. And you have to just go, who cares what anybody else thinks? Does this make you happy? Then just do it. And the people will fall in love with it because it's something of you. And that's something you don't know until you're older. You can't say that to yourself when you're younger. You're usually like telling that person to F off. You're like, whatever, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you're like, 
no, I do. <laughs> Just have fun. Sam. And then we hear, we, we assume and think of what other people are thinking of us and we, we worry, oh, did that, oh, nobody laughed at that. When half the time people were just too busy either worrying about what they were gonna say or you know, maybe your tone was off, but it didn't, it was just that one time. And then you, you know, when you would bomb on stage, for me, I, my thinking was I liked to bomb. And I know we've heard people say that before and most people really hate, but that was when you had growth. That's when you're like, I need to change how I'm doing this. Right. But it still was a devastating feeling and you didn't feel whole or human again until you did <laughs> well and not even killed, but just got some laughs. Right. And you're like, I'm Survived. fine. Mm. I, don't have to, I don't have to do anything horrible to myself. <sighs> I made it. <laughs> and that's just comedy. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's, you know, it's a mindset that makes you stronger. But at the same point, it's a mindset with thorns. And if yeah. you run that thing around your head over and over again, it's going to shred you up a little bit, you know? Yeah. And for some people a lot, um, it's almost, it's like comedy is something you survive in a way because there's not a ton of graceful exits and there's a lot of non-exit exits where, you know, I, uh, you know, noticing your love of comedy as, as I was saying, I, I had that point where I was like, I can't watch comedy right now. This is too close mm -hmm. to home. This reminds me of my own failure, of my own giving up and et cetera, the spiral of shame. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't even want to see it now. And then there's like, oh, they're younger than me now. I used to be the young one and now they're, <laughs> and then they're funny. And then that, like, if I had, you know, one of the, you talked about Oni, who I want to get on the podcast. Um, he was, cause he's pretty ex, right? Even before yeah, Corona, I mean, he or he kind of walked yeah, he away. He does more um, writing now. Right. Right. He likes doing that more. I mean, he was so. a big, a big influence on me. And he, mm -hmm. I remember he always used to say like, you can't, you got to move out of Florida. Eventually you can't just do karate in your backyard. You gotta, gotta go <laughs> to the dojos. And like, when I was thinking of recording an album, he kind of dissuaded me from doing it. Oh. He's like, you're going to hate it. You're going to, in a year, you're going to think it's horrible. Blah, blah, blah. And it is one of my big regrets is like not going through with that. Cause it was all like ready to go. Oh yeah. And now it's like, you've just done it. You should have done it. That's, that's that's a big, you know, there's a lot of those. I have a lot of those. You should have. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we all, I mean, we all do. Hindsight, like you said, it's just that's like learning, oh, right? Uh, right. Yeah. If you don't have any, you should have, like, what? Either you, right. everything's going perfectly or you're not paying attention. Right. Right. And that's the beauty of it, though, that you can recognize, okay, I should have done that. And you could still be okay. You could still do it. You can still do your album. I believe in you. Right. Yeah. I would, yeah. I would. I would pop, I would pay the iTunes fee or whatever it is <laughs> for your album. I would buy it. But it's like, do I, you know, I had the, it was 10 years ago. Everything was like <laughs> real. It's all like, I was waiting tables and the thing and it was, all, yeah. and now I have recordings of it. But now I, you know, so many creative things in my life. I'm like, Oh, I need to remember restaurant life and I'll make a great thing one day. But then the details start to fade and I'm like, I should have made it then. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the other thing that we also, uh, in comedy, um, not that Oni was wrong for telling you that you would hate it, but we take older, not that mentors are bad. I'm sure he was They're right, great, but, but I should have done it also. He might've been right, but I think what we forget is everyone's path is different. We always think, oh, it's a, it's a clear path. This is how we need to do it. It's not. Mm -hmm. And just because, you know, someone says, oh, I didn't like it. It doesn't mean that's true for you. And that's, 
the thing that we kind of get caught up in is like, oh, that's an, you can't do that. Like, do you know how many times too, besides getting over how much I feel like we should have free education in this world, I would have so many degrees. I talked myself out of going to school because I thought I was too old. And this is when I was like 30. Mm. And I was like, I also don't want the debt. I don't want to go into debt. And I think about it. I'm now 39 and I still go, I could probably go back to school. I still don't want the debt, but it's, I, it's all these things like you, you, it's crazy what our mind does to us, what we think we can and can't do. And it's like, why, who is telling you, you can't start comedy now. You can't stop for 10 years and go back and kill it. Who's right. Who are these voices that are telling us you have to be on a certain trajectory? Cause I've seen so many people break those molds and do fine. Mm-hmm. And they kind of just, you know, brush it off. I wish our minds would work that way. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Comedy's at a place where it's, there's so many stories of success. People are like, I just got to do that. Work there for a couple of years, get that, get them, go on the road. Like you my said earlier. My favorite articles, my favorite, favorite articles, and they're stupid clickbait articles, but they're the ones of, look who was 45 when they made it big. Look who was 50. <laughs> And it's like some people yes. are late bloomers and it's okay. <laughs> We're okay. Right. And, and it's also interesting that while the people listening to this podcast, you and myself, and like a lot of our friends, <laughs> we have a certain idea of what success is, which a lot of the country are just fine being like regular people. And that's a crazy idea. Just living life. Like I've always, Can you do that? <laughs> yes. There are people out there who just want to be, regular people <laughs> they don't want to be famous or this star or an actor they don't or need this. strangers or adulation no <laughs> constantly i know those people exist it's insane wow i know simple I folks know. farming the land oh my goodness <laughs> you know if maybe if we supported artists a little more in this country we could uh, level that playing field a bit. I don't know. Daniel, are you running for president? <laughs> well, now that you ask, I want to be a token vice president for, for some sort of AOC type. I like it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> I'll put uh, that bumper sticker on. We can on all be side. AOC types. I want to be one. She's inspired me. She's amazing. Um, well, I can also ask you a question. You are free to ask me questions. I'm going to ask you a question. I you are allowed three, like some sort of mountain sage. Okay. I'll try to make all of the questions one question Ooh. and just, it'll take forever. I'm just kidding. Um, so you left Miami, which you were very ingrained in. You are, you're, to me, you're, there are many Miami comics, but you were, to me, you were a face of Miami comedy because you had such a serious help and hand in building the alt scene in Miami. You were like, you're like a god of Miami alt scene. I'll say it, I don't care, maybe, I'll say it. Maybe a deity, but okay. You were really good. Um, you, were, you were a gift to the Miami comedy scene. Um, and you left, I don't know why, but you left. Not saying that, no. I, sure, I sure, mean, sure, no, I get it. I'm saying personally, I, we didn't have that conversation. You're like, I'm leaving. You know what I mean? Like you didn't say I'm leaving because blah, 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 blah. Right. So you left and you went to Denver, which I thought was an interesting choice too, because they, that isn't also an alt scene as well. So to me, I thought it was interesting. And then I listened to your first podcast 
of this show and you were like talking about like, oh, you know, everyone kind of had to stop doing comedy because the world was ending sort of with a virus that was terrifying. Mm -hmm. And you were like, well, I had been toying with the idea of stopping comedy, but instead I'm going to do this. And it's like, well, this is still comedy. To me, podcasts and all of it, it's all a part of it now. But it's just interesting to me, and this is a very long-winded point that I'm trying to get Please. to. It's like, what, what, why? why? Why now for you? Have you just gotten to that place where you're like, I'm comfortable with it, or I want it to evolve into something else? Because I don't think you're ever quitting. No offense. <laughs> yeah. No pressure. Yeah, I don't yeah. think, I think it just for you needs you're a creative person as well. Um, and you're brilliant. So it's almost like, well, why wouldn't it just naturally, and why can't you allow yourself to just let it evolve into something remaining in comedy, but maybe a little different so that it works for you? That is why? well, that is why, well put. Daniel? Why, Daniel? <laughs> why? Um, <laughs> yes, that is a meaty question to chew upon its morsels. Um, I think a, a big part of it is that it took me in it an extra long time to admit to myself that I was fading, mm -hmm. at least from not the love of stand-up, but the grind of stand-up, the motions. Uh, it was extremely jarring because, I mean, looking back when I left Miami uh, about five or six years ago, which I just left because I, I, I've heard it, I heard enough times that I needed to move to a bigger market to get better, to experience more things that I, I was, right. I'd be hitting my head on the ceiling here in Miami forever. I also right. didn't get much love from the improv, although right. in hindsight, there's a lot more I could have done to work on that relationship. But, but even that, it, I think we put too much um, weight in there, especially those improvs. Do you know what I mean? You said it before I did, because they are chronically known for like, keeping comics, like giving them yeah. just enough work to keep them on the hook, but then kind yeah. of like, I knew a couple comedians with right. like battered wife syndrome where they're like, it's, it's gonna, you're gonna stop hitting me. I, I promise, like, he gives me hugs sometimes, but yeah. the black eyes, be... yeah. Exactly, I, they, they, listen, it's beautiful that Miami has a room again because it had closed for so long and it's beautiful that those rooms exist, but that, was always a crazy, like, it was almost like a mirage. Like, if mm. you make it there, you're gonna make it big. And it's like, oh, no, 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 that's a distraction. You right. don't wanna make it there. You wanna network and meet those comedians that are coming in and doing that and then move on. But we would mistakenly think that was where we needed to go next when it wasn't. It was actually like, you accidentally got off the wrong exit of the highway. <laughs> you got stuck yeah. in a really small town. Right. And it was like, oh, crap. Those billboards are, are big. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Learning in hindsight that, you know, they had a kind of a reputation for being weird yeah. crowds and just papering the rooms. And I mean, there's yeah. a reason the original one closed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got into it right as like the cool old management was leaving with yeah. Gideon and like they were like had this family atmosphere where comics could chill and drink. And then all of a sudden it was like, who are you? What are you doing? Anyway, yeah. Yeah. that was one of the yeah, one of the things where I was like, eh, I mean, try and get out of here. I mean, I stayed so long in the Miami scene because my, the good influence of my sister, uh, mm -hmm. Lolo, who sweat records, check them out online. <laughs> she is one of the, she is really one of the like pillars, gods, whatever, of the, of the Miami music scene and art scene, small record store where I held my show many years. And um, mm -hmm. she did such a great job working in Miami. I was like, I want to help build the scene, da da da. 
but then yeah i think a mix of just like hearing i had to leave and then actually seeing so many people leave and then starting to see people who had done comedy like a fourth as long as i had who i thought maybe weren't that ready to move moving more mm -hmm. and even though sometimes that is exactly what you need to do to cut your teeth is right. to get out of there different for everyone of course right but i left and then yeah new york la everyone's like you gotta pick one of those of course me i hate doing what right. everyone does and i i didn't want to like <laughs> struggle in a giant anthill and maybe I should have maybe it would have made me a better comedian and reformed it but my buddy Adrian told like, me the love of Denver and I fell in love with it and I've been yeah. here six years and I I still do love it but it was weird being like I'm finally at a great comedy scene and I for a while I was gung-ho and making friends making a name for myself and being it was great but then just starting to fade and being like no this is what I wanted but yet I'm fading away from stand-up in general but I got the scene that I was ready to cultivate in, you know, but I wouldn't, I mean, admitting that to myself, maybe it was over three years. And that was of me still doing comedy right. and running a monthly show up until last year. Right. Um, but then finally getting to the point. Yeah. Where I could say, I don't have to quit. I can re-examine. I can redefine this relationship with comedy. I also feel like quitting is, a, it's like, sure go ahead and quit you never quit like it's like being addicted to anything hardcore like you just yeah. you just stop yeah. for as long as you can sometimes and i've had several stand-up dreams since then which have those were the, literally what reaffirmed me being like okay you're getting back on stage one day i know yeah. i'm not rushing it i'm not trying to go catch covid at these dirty open mic shows and stuff where i'm like are you guys disinfecting the mic because i'm not seeing it mm -hmm. um I'm using it as a yeah, it's a good time to like reevaluate. And it, it's like an artist's plateau. You hear about, I feel like I kind of got to that point and maybe when I come back, I'll burn all my material or I don't know. But I know this, this is a crazy idea because you'd have to have uh, money. <laughs> and I'm not saying like? you, I'm not saying you don't. What now? But money. how far, how far is LA from Denver? There is a little circuit. Um, it's, it's a, a just like, a short plane plane ride and there's definitely like or at least there was a little circuit of comics and stuff that was something i've always been bad at just going out to other scenes and being like hey put me up i want to yeah but you're forgetting something you have an amazing amount of people who adore and love you from the miami scene that live here in la or live in new york or live everywhere and those are reasons why you networked and became friends with them it's like hey I'm going to pop in. Is it okay? Or do you mind? Like you were always really good at that. And I'm just saying it now, like one of those, like, this is, seems like a, it seems like it would be a good fit for you because you do want to continue to do stand up, and your heart is still in it. Even though you're feeling a plateau, there's maybe this could spice it up where you're not leaving Denver and you don't have to live in LA, but you can still come visit in a financially, you know, in a way that makes sense. Sure. But still, maybe you're crashing with us, or you're crashing with Oni, or you're crashing with Dave. All right, we're whoever. doing a show. Let's do it. Or Forrest. I'm just Yeah, saying. I never did that. You're, you're totally right. Miami has given us such a cool, valuable, spread out network of amazing, Everybody's fun everywhere. comedy people. And, yeah. and like, yeah, I, I do barely uh, use it. And now, of course, we can't. But uh, <laughs> maybe one day. One day. I just, I realized too, yeah, like in that sense, it's just keeping those connections from when we started. They're they're all still there. They, everyone still loves you. You're still you're you know what I mean? Like it's you're not a pariah. That, the same way. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like 
I wasn't sleazy and did all that. No, you're a really um, good person. (laughs) But people, you know, as you said, like, it's how you slunk away from comedy. Like, that's the same kind of thing I did. I wanted to be like, I was ashamed. I was like, I don't want to, you know, the longer I'd stay away from mics, the more I'd feel like, oh, if I go to the mic, people would be like, oh, it's him. What is he doing? And why is, why is he here? Why, why is he going to chime in on a Facebook thread that has to do with some like serious stuff? He's not a part of the scene. He doesn't come out. Like, I don't know where that voice came from. We've heard a few assholes say it and assume that everyone says it. I think that is it. I think that, yeah. Because it did happen in the Denver comedy scene where someone, I was on like a a kind of a high level show, but I hadn't been out. And the person thought I was just green or I guess didn't realize that I had like many more years under my belt than them. Not that that's guaranteed, but like. Right, right. And then it was just like, what are you doing here? I'm like, yeah, oof, you know. And yeah, yeah. Wait, it's, it's we you know we're human. We kind of we can sense we're, we know how to read crowds for one. So when you have someone come at you with that amount of negative energy, you feel it, you absorb it, and it affects you and it hurts you. And you're like, what am I? And then you start to question yourself from and someone that's you where, respect too. Yeah, exactly. And that's where you're kind of like, that's the trick is just figuring out a way to let that shit just roll off your back and go, I do deserve to be here. I am important right. and I am amazing. And just cause you haven't seen me in a while doesn't mean I haven't been doing the work. You don't know, you don't know me, but you don't want to like say that. To be me. a hotshot, but right, there's a, there's a way to, <laughs> no, where were, you, where were you yeah. three years ago? I needed this pep talk. No, this is, <laughs> it's good. No, no these, I'm here. You got to remind Daniel, yourself I'm of here these things. Right at the right time. <laughs> That's right. Thank you, sweet baby Jesus for sending this oh. messenger. Yeah, that was a nice long-winded counter question. Very well done. Um, Thank you. Spinning it back to you. So you, you, uh, do you consider yourself a comedian? Do you consider yourself a stand-up comedian? Do you consider yourself a comedian? Do you feel weird using any of those titles? Or do you feel completely fine and justified? I still, I, it's such a weird thing. It, it's, I mean, that goes back to like when you first start and you're calling yourself a comedian mm. and you're like, uh like are we that's There's the no, other like, side of that coin interesting right because when you first start i had the confidence of like nobody should have had that confidence i was just like <laughs> yeah yeah i'm a comedian i'm a stand-up comedian i was six months into it or a year into it and it's like all right calm down you're just relax um still in my 20s with that kind of confidence but now it's like i mean it's it's like any creative person, a person just decides, yeah, I'm a comedian. And you're like, oh, okay. I guess, yeah. When, when does that name, when you get paid? Okay, well, I've been paid $10. When I get paid in a beer, does it count? Like where, it's kind of someone, if you're up there making people laugh, yeah, sure, you're a comedian. Uh, that's okay too. That's To me, I think that's fine. If you can get up there and make people laugh, like I don't understand what the strict rule is and why we're always... I don't understand why we're always so hard on ourselves. We're supposed to be these lighthearted, lovely people. And yet we're like, ah, am I a comedian? Can I be called a comedian? Am I a comedian? Am I, what am I? Right. Like, oh my God, relax. I we're haven't, all just to I haven't done it for five months. Am I still a comedian? <laughs> right, right. Like, right. It's the, right. Yes, you are. Yes. The sad clown and thing. I haven't, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the other thing is finding that, that there's that, oh, 
everyone's a little mentally unstable or they have stuff that they're trying to process and that's what they're doing when they're getting up and doing comedy and they're trying to connect with other people and you know in a way yeah comedy was my therapy and it helped me get through my first divorce and it helped me grow as a person and I'm very grateful and thankful for the stages that let me do that. but now that I'm older I realize therapy is also just really great <laughs> go do it with a person they can give you advice back you don't have to wait three hours for five minutes of therapy (laughs) no but but the feeling of connecting with a group of people is beautiful in its own way just not even the therapy side of it just that fun connection of just feeling like that was my favorite part of comedy if i were to say i was a comedian and what i'll tell my daughter is i got to get on stage and whether it was two people or a thousand people or two thousand people to feel like you're having an intimate conversation with that many people is a beautiful gift. It's huge. It's huge. And to connect with them and you're not, sometimes, yeah, some things land, some things don't. And it's just like a regular conversation. Sometimes you say stuff and you're like, man, I really wish I didn't say that out loud. <laughs> it happens, but that's, it's, it, to me, it's like, it makes it all worth it. It makes it fine that maybe I don't make it all the way. It's like, when you look at just that beauty of it, I, that's why people really should keep doing it. Right. Those moments. I mean, that's why you get into it. Feeling laughter on stage. Right. I mean, yeah. And that's obviously what makes now for comedians so hard is they're not feeling that connection with the audience. I, yeah, I'm sure it's a lot easier for comics in our shoes, but if if this happened during the first, like three years of doing comp, can you imagine being like how, how tied up you'd feel? How like I was just getting started. I was, yeah. Now you have to do Zoom shows and like weird distanced, like yeah. everything we've been taught about what makes comedy work. It's just like tight, small, packed, dark, yeah. light, but it's like, nope, big spread out Low park now. They can't be too far away from the stage. Yeah. All those things. It's like, no, we'll make it work with all those things gone. It'll <laughs> be like, interesting oh. to see. I mean, comedy, hopefully, I mean, we'll be stronger after this. It's comedy. Comedy doesn't die. It's just. Yeah. No. There's too much pain in this world for comedy to die. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's we a good quote. need it. We need it. <laughs> There's too much awful happening for it to ever die. <laughs> if, if this is where I was going to end the podcast, I would end it right there because that was just such like a nice ending sentiments, but I still have more questions, but just, okay. All right. Just to let you know, what is the name of the, um, the crafting stuff so people can, can check that and follow you? It's the website's mama loves to, and it's basically open-ended. So it lets me evolve it in any way that I want. So it's mama loves to craft, mama loves to cook, mama loves to bake, Mm. photography, whatever it is. It's just, I'm a mama and I love to do a lot of stuff. And and you're charging, what is it? $25 per month to to get in on that ground floor and then hundred for the premium? I've been told to do Patreon, do this, do that. And I'm like, can you do OnlyFans for mamas? Do an OnlyFans. <laughs> you want to see the top of this cake? <laughs> watch me, watch me cut it. Mm. Oh, you don't know where I'm gonna glue these macaronis. Oh boy! Want to see me burn my fingerprints off from hot glue? <laughs> There's a market of uh, very pent up dads. Oh my god! Into that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful of what audience you cultivate these days. Uh, listen, listen, I'll get that OnlyFans and show you no fingerprints, no fingerprints. Only ma'ams. How about that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ooh, only, onlyma'ams.com. I think we 
might be making million dollar ideas here. Something's happening, crocheting, very hot right now. And I always like to ask when you were in the thick of comedy and someone new found out you were a comedian and inevitably went, hey, tell me a joke, what would you say? Um, no. <laughs> or I would, there were, well, okay. If they were a lovely person and sometimes a rare occasion would happen and someone would say that and they were actually a lovely person. I would, I would have one joke. It was my one joke that I wrote when I first started and could do it. And it always made people laugh, even in basic conversation. Mm. So I didn't hate doing that. So you had a back pocket joke for the people who deserve oh, it. That's yeah. Good. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. But if they were a cringy person, I'm like, please walk away from me. You're right. awful. But if they were already in lovely. conversation, right. Yeah. There's a difference yeah, between, yeah. can you tell me a joke versus tell, yeah. make me laugh. Funny yeah, girl. Yeah, yeah. There were people who were like, you're kind of, so, you know, they were actually intrigued in you and as a person and having that conversation. If they asked me like, I do have this one joke, but you have to understand it's like, this is in conversation. So it's different. But like yep. I said, I performed on stage to two people. What's the difference of me standing in front of a person and telling them the joke in the end? Right. Like, that's, that's, that's your little stage time in that moment. <laughs> mm, I don't know. Just any final thoughts, random, random things? Um... It's, it's, I think I just re would reiterate, even with me doing the blog that I'm doing now and going through, when you start revealing yourself creatively in anything, even if it is stand-up, if it's something else, you're making yourself very vulnerable. But you just have to kind of put all the voices out of your head, all the self-doubt, all the, you can't do that. Or if somebody says you shouldn't do that or do that, give it a chance. Like if it's something that will endanger your safety, okay, maybe take that advice. But if it's just like a, if you want to do it, it's, it's hard to kind of brush away all the chatter. Mm. Um, but finding your own, I think, you know, cause we all have regrets and, oh, if I had done this differently, maybe I would be doing this differently. And if I maybe had put more focus into comedy and into writing and into just that, I might not have my daughter though. And I might not have the life I have now. So right. I can't really regret no it. But, mm -hmm. but if you're, if that's your dream, if that's your commitment, there's going to be ups and downs. It's like any relationship. There's going to be hard. There's going to be this and know that this path that you're on Daniel, and it may feel awful and it may feel wonderful or whatever it is. You know, this because your father's a Buddhist, this will pass and you know, good will come and you know, that will pass and bad will come again. But being able to stay in a straight line and keep going towards it, just know you're going to take the hits, but you got to keep going. Mm. That's least, the only way you can look at all of it. Or at least wiggle towards it. You know, exactly. Curvy line. And, and yeah, that's very healthy. Stay, stay moving forward. Mm -hmm. And don't get stuck in an improv in a small town. <laughs> <laughs> or a bonkers or a funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's Very, the thing, the beauty those, of the internet. Those critic voices to the side when you need them, right? Yeah, yeah. And, the and you want to know what? Mm -hmm. Even as wonderful as our friends are, sometimes their very innocent critique or advice can derail something that probably would have been wonderful. So understanding that even though they're coming from it from a certain place, being okay with ignoring it and still pursuing something that maybe you wanted to do. Right. That's hard. Because you're like, oh, I trust you because da-da-da-da-da. But they're, 
in the same boat we are a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So for them, it may not have worked, but it might work. It could be projecting, right? Or another, any, exactly. Any of that. You, it's having that like, what it, like, like that crazy. Yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it's advice that you can only, I feel like, because for me, it's hindsight. You're like, yeah, why would I do that? Why would I not do that? I was pursuing a dream. Why didn't I just go full throttle? And you're like, well, because life. Fear, happens. life. Everything. Mm -hmm. And surround, oh, Doubt. that's what I really mean to say is surrounding yourself with people who want you to succeed. I know that sounds silly and trite, but like, it's so more apparent now that we're older, like people that go, hey, what you're doing is pretty cool. And I see how much work you're putting into it. I think that's awesome. Versus people who you can see are either not jealous, but are kind of don't really care about what you're doing. You, you, your friends show when you're starting to really put yourself out there and really starting to go for your dream, you see the people who want you to succeed very easily. And surrounding yourself with those kind of people that want you to succeed is important because that helps you move forward and keeps your thinking in a better way and doesn't, we're so busy cutting ourselves down I don't need a friend to also remind me that this is not a good this or this is not, you know, I don't need right. that negativity. I'm I hard enough that. myself. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But surrounding yourself with people who are like, you need to move forward. You need to drive to LA. You need to go say hi to your friends because they love you and they want you to keep being funny and being awesome. Mm. You need that. These are the kind of people we, that we all need to surround ourselves with. And we have to remember that. I'm sorry. I sound like I'm preaching now. It's Amen <laughs> is all I can say to that. Preach on. No, it's all truth. It's it stuff that we know. The things I know now that I'm older is what I will teach my daughters. Just surround yourself with people who love you for you, love you for you, and want to build you up to be a better person. Bam. Only Bam. if only I could have said this to myself when I was younger. <laughs> but while still avoiding an echo chamber that makes you think you're awesome when you're really not awesome. Yeah, that's a tricky balance. But, there is a reality. But, you know, some people go from awful to awesome. Some people evolve. I know it's hard to believe, but it's mm. true. Some people can be terrible and become better. I'll believe I, it when I, think, I see it. I will be honest. There, I realize I'm kind of making a generalization when I say that, but there is like that knowing if you're funny or not. And there's some people who just are blissfully unaware that they do not have any idea of comedy or being Those funny. Those people are fascinating to me. I, I don't, it's, it's a, I think scientists need to study that. <laughs> I don't know what that is. But if you're funny and you know you're funny and you, like it's, I think those are people who don't, on, I think they might be murderers, possibly. Because mm, they just need know. an alibi. All right. <laughs> it's that late. Yeah. Like, There's a lot of yeah. people who should not be in bars every night. I mean, that's no. uh, I've echoed it, you know, before. Just yeah. hanging out with young people with nothing to lose and yeah. trying to be edgy and Yeah. Yeah. You know, it can be a recipe for disaster way more often than success, but that is how yeah. we get there through the disaster. Yeah. yeah. Um damn. Some drill truths. I loves it. Uh, what was the thing you reminded me? Oh yeah, it's that, it's that, I forget the name of the principle, but it's like the worse you, you can be so bad at something, you don't have the skills to realize what good or bad is. So you don't even know that mm -hmm. you're bad. You just think you're great. Yeah. Which does happen in comedy way, yeah. way more than carpentry, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
because you don't lose a finger. Well, I, I feel like if you're, if you, if you're not able to tune into your audience, and if you're bombing all the time and never doing well and never making anybody laugh and never spitballing with people and ha there's there's uh, it, you just know that that's someone who's not in touch with themselves or the human race. Like if you, mm -hmm. it's it's an empathy too. Like you can read an audience, you can start to figure out that doesn't work. I need to do this. I need to do that. And I'd like to think that's a learned thing, but if someone never grasps that, that's, uh, yeah, I that's, don't know. That's huge in comedy because comedy will very clearly let you know you suck. Yeah, very, very, and if you can't very, pick it up in that, I mean, yeah. graphic design is one thing or like visual art. A, I have a lot of visual art friends who are like, that's really great, dude. Keep going. I'm like, yeah, I would yeah. never buy that and support you, but you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But in comedy, it's just like you hear crickets or booze and right. you didn't do right. the right thing. But it's one thing to have it like once or twice. Maybe yes. you're having an off week. And, and you learn from those, that. as you said, they're great. They're and precious. you learn from them. But there are people who bomb their entire time and they're like, I've been doing this for 15 years. And you're like, why 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 would you do that to yourself right those are the, and those people that are out consistently every night that's like i i admire your your effort but you're on it's almost like you're placing your effort in the wrong category like you're showing up every night say, but you need to maybe you need to stop going to the mic every night and read it yeah. but right now we're putting judgment on them because who are we to say that that bombing doesn't satisfy them because they're maybe masochists. I don't know. I don't know. We don't know right. what's going on. Maybe, maybe it's the 3000th bomb that makes something click. It's like, and yeah. that's what's beautiful about art. And you, it's true. I would never want to discourage those people from like pursuing that unless of course it's just like, maybe, you know, I'll encourage you not in my room to, to be on stage, but like, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm not going to tell you you can't do comedy. I to be fair, we all lie to ourselves in some way. In some, in, in the mind is a, a beautiful, scary, deep, crazy thing. And I can only imagine just in other avenues of our life, there'll be a moment where they have a realization, maybe not. But they might think they're killing. They might think they're doing just fine. They might think they're doing amazing. And yeah. they believe it. There's, there needs to be a movie about that. Like, it's been a while since they've had a stand-up film just like the like the incels of comedy like just that hopeless class yeah, yeah. i admire yeah. there's some people on facebook and stuff and it's just like wow you're really just doing the same same thing for so long with with so little doubt or at least i'm not seeing the doubt whereas like i know so many fun interesting people who are like holding themselves back so much yeah but that's you know that's that comedy is that's what makes it so interesting because you think it's a clear cut thing. If I'm just good, if I just get on stage, I'll succeed. And it's like, no, right. <laughs> that's not the case. <laughs> Life happens, everything happens. And sometimes those people were bombing forever who just stuck with it can do it. Right. And you're like, oh. And how many that's like crazy. how many golden boys or golden girl prodigies have we seen like come up and then just like disappear after a year or two? Because yeah. they're like, oh no, I don't want to do this. I'm great at it, but like this is, this looks horrible. I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's for me in 2008, the economy crashed, no money. I started waiting tables and doing comedy and I'm like, this is my life. I'm going to, I'm going to succeed. I'm going to own and make big money. Mm -hmm. Own a home. Get that mm -hmm. sitcom. Mm -hmm. Flash forward. 
2020. And I'm like, oh, I should have made more money in my youth. I <laughs> <laughs> should have built more equity. That's right. Ooh, that's not good. Funny thoughts from comedians. That's right. 401k. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. What is uh, the only thing I'm investing in right now is my daughter's college education. She doesn't have to go. It may be free by then. We don't know what Mars will have. But she'll at least have that lump sum of money that I'm not telling her about until she's much Don't much let older. her know and hope, right. She'll she's be the like, only one who's going to have a future. That's so, it. Yeah, just mom and you can live in a band together and be a family be band. Nice. And, yeah. I'll make a blog about it. Uh, no matter what, we're going to have it <laughs> blogged. That's for sure. There's one thing we know. It will be blogged. <laughs> I don't have the mental stability to be famous, but I'm going to let you know everything going on in my life. No matter how small or weird or tiny it is. Intimate, unnecessary to share. Like here, I may not be on stage, but here, look, I made a cardboard RV out of my bare hands. Viral. <laughs> Trending, YouTube. TikTok. This is when Jessica goes crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Are you on TikTok? Have you felt pressure? As a tick? I know when you're in your 30s, you're like, oh, do I really? Should I? They're going to ban I, it anyway, but. Yeah, which, oh God, it's so did, weird. Did you feel the this pressure? This time is so weird to be alive. It is. Funny, I started one for my website. Um, I say website, like the mama loves to. And I was like, oh, I could do like baking things or crafting things. And I was like, I don't want to <laughs> so i just i have the name yeah. i have it there and i'm like mm, i'm good Seriously. it's just another thing i'm just i'm doing good at the That's limited things that i have i don't need it all i don't need to do it all mm -hmm. yeah i'm like when all the tiktoks are good you sort through the tiktoks and then make a compilation and throw it on youtube for me Right. Well, and that's, I've actually been told too, you should get a Patreon page so I can give you money for the things you're doing. I'm like, just Venmo it to me. I don't want to set up a monthly thing where I have to give you something every month and you pay me like a dollar or $40. How about you just Venmo me every time you like a project I do? I do feel you on that, but I think a Patreon might actually fit. I know. I, you it's do hard, in a little though. bit just because it's so easy for people. They wouldn't have to, I don't know if you can set up a monthly auto payment on Venmo, which is is pretty yeah. clutch and then but offering rewards right it's like do i have to put a whole other content stream where i'm now making like behind the scenes videos for my super right. patrons and da, da, da. right there's layers and layers and it's like you can get lost in that forever <laughs> eventually i'm but gonna need an charging assistant. a buck is i can, my favorite thing on patreon is when i see a, a someone i like and they don't have like 73 tiers of rewards and membership they say hey throw me a dollar a month and if you want to put more you can put more but i'm only asking for a dollar that's like my favorite one you know what you i didn't know that was actually allowed <laughs> yeah i didn't do a lot of research about patreon so i'm like can you tell me more about this we'll talk <laughs> actually, we'll talk i'm not see to me i'm like i don't want someone to go i'm gonna give you 50 dollars a month and you have to send me a cool and i'm like oh that's that's a lot of pressure it's, i like it's not the for them to say that like if you don't offer right. it they ain't getting it so right they can give you extra right. money because they like you and maybe it's a rich person out there with money to burn. So see for me, I'm like, I love to lowball. I like low expectations. That way if I give you a cute little postcard, you're like, why well, don't I give her a dollar? dollar. That's it. You make a video, you put their name in the freaking credits. That's it. If anything comes out of this podcast, besides the fact that we both adore each other, I'd like to think that 
is the fact that I'm like, go to LA, crash on your friend's couch, become famous, keep doing your thing. And you're like, just charge a dollar, you idiot. And I'm like, oh, God, why didn't I think of that? Yeah, Damn it. stay home, do cool shit and get a dollar from your friends. I'm going to, my first, I've started a Patreon like over a year ago, but I haven't asked anyone to actually contribute to it. I'm going to be your first dollar. <laughs> I was, I was going to try and get my, my mom and sister and dad to seed it as my birthday presents, just so people see like, oh, people are contributing. I'll throw in because getting like that zero to one, I think is big. Mm-hmm. But, um, well, sneaky, sneaky things like that. You yeah. send me a link to your Patreon. I'll be your first bidder. Oh, I'll no. be your first dollar. I don't, I'm not promoting. I'll throw a yet. dollar at you like you're a cheap, beautiful stripper. <laughs> oh, <laughs> quarter off my booty. Throw, throw a dollar at my whack. Uh, I'll take it. And on that note, now that you're a stripper. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fine line. Listen. If I was a beefier boy, I would have done it in Miami. I, I thought about it. There, a lot of ways to perform. There's something for everyone. Not everyone Well, I realized later I'm an otter, and there is a big demand for that. But, you know, in the time, you'd think, you know, you got to be a Chippendale beefcake. Listen, I live in L.A., and I moved here pregnant, and we moved across from Jumbo's Clown Room. And I kept getting told, that is where Courtney Love, it's infamous. I think it's either her bar or she worked at the bar, but it's this very wonderful, wonderful burlesque bar that almost everybody knows about in LA, kind of. But I'm like pregnant living across the street from it and tagging my photos like I'm at Jumbo's Clown Room. I'm like, listen, maybe somebody wants a big hot pregnant lady. I'm working there. I've been on the internet. There, there are some people who do very much want that. Yeah, I, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was very... I was very pregnant. <laughs> another, <laughs> another missed opportunity. There's a, there's your only ma'ams. Damn it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just have to get knocked up again. No. One and done. One, one and done. Got a good one. Keep it good. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the next child, if, it would be such a shitty child. Like you can't, you can't have a perfect child and then have a second child. That's just setting that second one up. for this. You already, you got your closer. At this point, yeah, you'd just be like right. drag, dragging Isn't the show. the baby's going to come out and be like, I'm sorry, this, this position's been filled. She's amazing. <laughs> I'm sure what we're going to do with you. Gulp. <laughs> Family. It's important. Um, well, yeah. I think, I think that's all I got, Jessica. This I is, think that's all I have, this too. This has been wonderful. Great to catch up and to, to dive into a... Uh, you know, these experiences we had so long ago that have defined who we are and continue to define us in strange ways, whether we realize it or not. I mean, it's a part, it's a huge part of our lives. So if it didn't define us, what were we on? Yeah, what did? Oh, what? <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you again. Uh, people can follow you at Mama Loves To. Is that like an Instagram handle? Instagram handle also on Twitter, but that. it's literally the same thing on both Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> so you can follow one, you don't have to follow the other one. Well, awesome. Yeah, thank you again. Ta ta. Bye. Click. Thank you. <laughs> nice. And see.